Hello, friends. My name is Jonathan Bryant. I am the host of the Edge of the Airy podcast. I have the privilege of serving as the Chief Administrator of Lincoln Charter. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of our amazing staff and stakeholders that are with us at Lincoln Charter and to share the college experiences of our guests in the course of our conversation. We all know that college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. It's important to know that I'm a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in getting to know others better, sharing compelling stories, learning from the past, and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and an amazing community. So, where does Edge of the Airy come from? You likely know that an eagle's nest is an airy, which obviously has significant meaning for our eagle nation. I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the edge of the airy. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in North Carolina. We were founded in 1998, and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and in Denver. All right, so let's get to today's guest. Today, I am excited to speak with Dr. Roberta Calloway, who teaches for us in the high school at our Lincolnton campus. Doc has been with the school since 2019, and I want to formally welcome you to Edge of the Area. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> this is my pleasure. Um, it's my pleasure to have you in today, and so I'm excited to uh, to jump right in. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I'm a native New Yorker. I joined the military shortly after high school. Okay. Um, what branch of the military? Navy. Okay. Stayed in for 20 years. I was a broadcast engineer while I was in. Okay. Um, I love creating things. I build. I like gardening. I just like creating anything really okay and i love teaching that's important (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about your navy experience we uh, it seems like just about everybody that i talk to on this podcast has military experience and so you are um not uh you're, you're part of that trend tell us a little bit you said broadcast engineer yeah um i worked with the closed circuit tv when you're out on a ship you can't get any type of um signal Okay. Um, there's obviously no cable or anything like that. So um, I was basically the entertainment while we were out to sea. Cool. Uh, we had a satellite dish out there, which we maintained, and four different TV channels. Gotcha. I guess if you can call the ship could basically switch for four different movies or shows that we would have on. We had uh, Navy Broadcasting which sent all of our programming out to us, it dropped down from a plane, usually about maybe a day delay. And mm-hmm. for the movies, we got those two weeks before they went to cable. Okay. There was no streaming at the time that I was in. So we got to see a lot of those uh, popular movies first. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's uh, hopefully us taking care of our military. So that's, that's the way that it should be. That's great. In 20, 20 years in. Yes. And then, uh, and then you jumped into, jumped right into education? Not quite. Um, I tried to get into school. When I left high school, um, I was the smartest person that I knew. Mm-hmm. But my <laughs> high school record wasn't, didn't really match 
how I felt about myself. Understood. So I didn't really think that it was going to make a difference when mm -hmm. I first got out. I applied to a four-year university and they respectfully declined okay. that application and told me that I should go to community college and then try again. So it took me about a year to get my ego back intact. Okay. And um, that was actually the best thing that could have ever happened to me because the first two years of community college mm -hmm. gave me the opportunity to, to kind of slide back into school. Mm -hmm. Because when I graduated high school, like I said, being the smartest person that I know, I didn't feel like I needed college. And so I had nothing, you know, 20 years of military service, which I thought would just walk me into a college, not quite. But the adjustment for those two years got me ready for what was to come after that. So your gap year was 20 years. Mm -hmm. Really? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. um, and you applied for community college where? It, you, were, you were back in New York? No, no, no. I was in um, Tidewater, okay. which is in Virginia, the Norfolk area. Okay. So it was Tidewater Community College. Okay. And so they were smart enough to pick you up. Yeah, for... they pretty much <laughs> anyone who could get in. Well, that's, that's good. But uh, so you had, you had two years there. Yes. And then you transferred into undergrad. Yes, Old Dominion University. I was going to be a counselor. Okay. I went for human service counseling. Um, at, at the end of that degree, I had to do an internship. Okay. And the internship um, required me to go someplace where I could actually counsel. And so I chose a battered woman shelter. Wow. And that's when I realized that um, being the empathetic person that I am, mm -hmm. I took on way too much of other people's things. You know, we would get girls that came in, they'd be beat up. Six months later, they're in the workforce, they're ready to go out independently, but they went back to their abusers. And then mm. I, I had a really that's, hard time with that. That's tough. So uh, I had taken an aptitude test when I got out of the military. They said I could be a counselor or teacher. So I said, okay, counseling is out. Let me try this teaching thing. Okay. Awesome. And it stuck Yeah, it at did. Lincoln Charter, which we're very happy about. Um, that's great. And tell us, so that's a perfect sort of segue because uh, as anybody that's listened to this podcast, we talk about college and try to give some advice. And so your experience is very unique when compared to some of our other guests who mm -hmm. uh, maybe transfer, transitioned directly from high school into college. Yeah. Tell me about your um, Old Dominion experience and how that how that was important in your life well for old dominion um it started out as i'm going to prove them wrong because that was the school that told me when i got out of the military that i wasn't ready for college so they had denied you yes okay and so right. that's the reason why i chose that school mm -hmm. um it is an amazing campus it's beautiful they have all the different buildings just like you do in any four-year university mm -hmm. um i was in the education building since i decided i was going to be a teacher and i was followed closely my counselor was a veteran counselor so for us because a lot of times we spend a lot of time out of school before we actually get serious and say, okay, we're going to go to school. Basically hold your hand for the first two years that you're in and beyond. Um, I was only supposed to earn the bachelor's degree from the military, but since the counseling didn't work and they had made a commitment to help me find employment, then they gave me the extra two years so that I could get the master's degree. Gotcha. 
by the time I got to school, I was, I think I was actually ready to be in school. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved going to classes, you know, doing the assignments, doing the reading, because most of everything that I was studying was something that I was interested in actually studying. Right. I wasn't trying to find myself or anything. I had a specific direction. Mm -hmm. So at that time, that's all I was doing was I had my retirement check. I was finishing up raising my kids. Mm -hmm. So all I had left to do was school. Right. So I basically just dove in and did everything that I needed to do, tried to get the best grades that I could, sure. um, met people, just did everything that I felt like I needed to do to be the best student that I can be. That was my thing at that time. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be an incredible student because I felt like I cheated myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, I think everyone's path is a little bit different. You certainly took maybe a non-traditional path in some respects. Yeah. But um, sounds like you have you had a counselor that was a good resource along the way. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty um, organized. Mm -hmm. So what I need is lists. I need something to check off to let me know that I'm actually progressing, mm -hmm. especially for big projects or big um, endeavors. I always have small little goals that I could check off. So that helped. And mm -hmm. I think my counselor figured that out really early and she made sure that I had every single step that I needed to do so that I could get, you know, I had my beginning point, I could get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And so it worked. I had somebody that I could go to and say, Hey, I'm not really sure about this. And she was always on the ready to explain what I needed to do so that I could keep going forward. So I got finished. Great. And you said she was a veteran counselor. Do you mean she was seasoned or that she also had military background? I'm not sure. I but, think that she she was a counselor for the school that was specifically set up for people who were veterans. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. so okay. that's a good question. Okay. I'm not really sure. Gotcha. Okay. So but she had she was working with like folks that were coming through the GI or the earth right. that were using the GI bill. Or yeah. That, GI or yeah. voc rehab yeah. or any gotcha. of the, the veteran programs. Interesting. Right. Okay. I don't know if I knew that that existed, but very cool. And I'm glad sounds like it worked out uh, swimmingly for you. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's what, that's what matters. And so finished undergrad at ODU mm -hmm. and then uh, you didn't stop there because you had a doctor uh, in front of your name as well. So What's uh, to tell, tell me about the, the progression from uh, undergrad? Okay, so I, the first master's was for secondary education. And my last nine credits, I had to do student teaching. Mm -hmm. At that time, even though I had my retirement pay, I still needed more income because my son graduated. I had to help pay for college. Mm -hmm. So I taught for those. Mm -hmm. I finished those nine credits while I was beginning teaching and I was the head of a reading program at a very, very high need school. Okay. And I realized that I was woefully unqualified to help ninth graders who were already 17, 18, 16, 17, 18 year old ninth graders to the basic reading skills. And so I went back to school and that's why I got that the other masters in reading mm -hmm. because I just felt like I wasn't it wasn't enough. I wasn't doing enough. And I got their program set up once I got qualified to understand what it was that they needed to start getting the overage ninth grade students 
through and able to take a standardized test, read it and pass it. Mm -hmm. um, the doctor didn't come until after years after that, because I thought I was finished. And so <laughs> I, I was moving and grooving there in the school. And mm -hmm. then my husband decided he wanted to move to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at an alternative school in the Raleigh area. Okay. And I was doing fine there, but I just, Gardner Webb kept sending me these things saying, don't you want to be a doctor? Don't you want to be a doctor? And the first time I looked at it, I was like, oh, I don't have the money for this. You know, and I ran out of excuses. And one day I walked in to get my mail out my mailbox and there was another Gardner Webb. You really want to do this. You're a teacher. We have special programs for you. And I decided right then and there, okay, I'm going for my doctorate. Let me do this. The universe was speaking to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what Through Gardner-Webb's advertising department. Yeah. yeah. That's It actually worked. So I want to give you some kudos because it sounds like in that high needs job that you were teaching, knocking out your nine credits, you identified that you needed something else and yeah. you went, you went and got it, which, uh, which. I'm sure your kids, your students benefited from that. So kudos, so, kudos yeah. for that. Um, and I think you and I see a lot of educators in our, in our life and in our jobs. And I think that is, uh, that's just, it, it's amazing to see a teacher that goes after additional training skills, whatever they might need to yeah. do what's best for kids. And so kudos to you for, for doing Thanks. that. Your master's degrees were ODU as well. Yes. Okay. And All I right. plan to get a doctorate from ODU, but we moved to North Carolina and then again, Gardner-Webb. Yep. And so I, it wasn't a major goal mm -hmm. to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. It's just that once I got into the program and I realized that there was a program that could help me become an even better teacher. Yeah. And that, that's just always been, I want to be the best that I can possibly be and make sure that the students that I develop relationships with, that I'm entrusted with their education, that they can get the best education that I can possibly give them, mm -hmm. that I can push them to their potential and beyond. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds kind of cliche though, doesn't it? I but mean, teaching and education is kind of cliche. Yeah. Ways, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you that I do talk to, uh, in, in the times that I've talked to your students and some of the, some of the students that you interact with, because not everybody, as you know, mm -hmm. not everybody that you interact with is assigned to you in a class, uh, but that doesn't mean yeah. that you don't work with them. Your reputation is that you give kids what they need and that you're knocking it out of the park from their perspective, as far as how you, uh, how you help support and just are a great role model for everybody. So uh, kudos you. to you. So Gardner Webb, I also have Gardner Webb uh, on my uh, on my CV as well. Tell us a little bit about that experience and sort of what your focus there, dissertation, etc. So Gardner Webb, um, I was in person and remote at the same time. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. Okay. Every weekend, I still was working at the alternative school. So every weekend, I'd have to drive forty five minutes into Raleigh spend um, Friday evening, all day Saturday, and most of the day on Sunday. Every uh, summer, we had mm -hmm. to go out for um, the, the conference that they had there. Um, initially, I was going to go, I wanted to study the different language, you know, because I have always been interested in 
uh, underserved students. Okay. And I noticed that because I teach English, a lot of students that came into my classroom didn't speak standard American English, mm -hmm. but they were super smart. Mm -hmm. So it's like they hadn't learned how to switch over from the, the um, language that they use with their friends and family to school English so that they can pass the test and show that they know what they know. So I was going to study that, but I had another student in the class that was with me that decided she wanted to do exactly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I decided to switch up from students to teachers. So she stole your idea. Well, she didn't ex exactly <laughs> steal the idea. I think it was yeah. just, it, it was a really good idea. And yeah, she had absolutely. some contacts at different colleges that could help her yeah. as far as linguistics was yeah. concerned. So I switched over to teachers because I realized a lot of teachers that I worked with didn't feel comfortable and confident working with the students. Like I could walk into a classroom and command immediate respect mm -hmm. because a lot of the students looked like me. Mm -hmm. And those teachers were experiencing what I experienced when I got here, where a lot of students looked at me and it was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. You know, for a second or two, it took some time to adjust. Mm -hmm. And I never really realized that that was a thing. I just wanted to study what the phenomena was that I was able to connect with so many different students, mm -hmm. but they were having difficulty. I thought it was language. It's not so much language. So my dissertation really addressed teachers' ability to believe that they could teach these students mm -hmm. and that the students were smart enough to benefit from whatever knowledge that they were trying to get across to them or impart on them. Mm -hmm. So the dissertation is basically um, studies teacher efficacy, personal and just general. Personal being whether or not I can actually teach students and general being whether or not I truly believe that the environment is keeping students from learning. Mm -hmm. And that effect on classroom management, student engagement, whether or not if I use culturally responsive techniques with and believe that I could teach students and believe that students will respond to me, mm -hmm. would I be able to actually get students to comprehend, engage, and not, you know, I'd be able to manage the classroom better. Yep. So that's the gist of it. Yep. Sort of distilling it down, culturally responsiveness in the classroom and mm -hmm. how that can make you a more effective educator in, right. in essence. Yep. Yeah. And I tried to read your dissertation, but it was way too, it was over my head. Uh, honestly, <laughs> smart stuff. Uh, so you, uh, kudos for that, um, because a lot of hard work went into that, I'm sure. Yeah. And so we haven't talked about what you do at Lincoln Charter. Um, obviously, you teach for us, mm -hmm. but tell us a little bit about the the courses that you teach and sort of give, give folks a, a little bit of a context for the content within the classes currently that you have for us. Okay, so I have um, 12th grade English, of course, the mm -hmm. English 4 and the PBS Student Reporting Lab. Um, two distinctly different classes, of course. Yep. Um, PBS, I'll just speak about that first because it's, it's quicker. Um, we actually are a reporting hub 
for PBS. We're one of 160 across the country. Super cool. So what happens is if they have a story or something major is going on, like when the midterms were going on, they want um, teenage perspectives on important issues. What they'll do is they'll contact us and say, hey, we need um, these specific questions answered by teenagers. And I have the students that are in my class, they'll answer the questions or interview other peers. And then we put in for that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, either the news or their social media hubs or anything like that. Right. Also, if they wanted to pitch a story based on events that are going on in the world, they can have a producer, like we have a producer that's actually assigned to our school so that if it's beyond me what they're asking for, or they would like to have professional help, mm-hmm. they have that available to them also. Super cool. Yeah. So, and we've had, I mean, we have some incredible kids obviously, yeah. and we've, we've been featured, uh, as like some of our kids have been featured, I should say class has been featured on some of their productions, which yes. is super cool. Yes. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Um, I also have the, um, English four. Mm-hmm. Now the English four, it's British lit. Mm-hmm. I do cover British lit because you know, that's what that's I get paid to do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also important to me to make sure that the students are prepared once they're out the door. Was right before I got here, I was at Berkeley College in New Jersey, and I taught the freshmen mm-hmm. English. And I realized that a lot of almost all of the students that I had were not ready for college work. And it's not so much that they didn't know the content, it was time management. They, they were used to procrastinating until the last minute, not understanding that the reading that they needed to do and all the free time that they had to do that, that's what they needed to be doing. So once I got here, I realized that a lot of our students were not ready just to go out the door. They, I focus more on writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, start out with their college essay because that's something that they're going to need almost immediately in yep. like October time frame. Yep. So that helps me assess their writing, where they are. And it also gives me the ability to be able to give them the support that they need when they need it. And then by, I don't know, the end of September-ish time frame, they have a, a ready-to-go essay already ready so that when we do college signing, they could just upload it. It's already been edited. I've already looked at it and it's written completely by them. I also have them engaged in addition to the regular British lit in um, a year long writing project. It's sort of a credo, which is basically an, I believe statement. That's what a credo is, but Mm -hmm. it starts out with them actually looking and reflecting on themselves. This way, I know that I'm getting their best writing and I'm able to help them to the next level as far as their writing is concerned, because it's extremely important Mm -hmm. in college to be able to communicate. So they start out with what's in a name where they have to go back to their family, take a look at their family name, their where it came from, talk to relatives and understand, okay, I was named this because mom and dad were having fun and they just saw the name on the thing and thought it was a cute thing or whatever (laughs) the story is. They'll write about that. Then they'll um, go from that into um, the personal alphabet where they take each letter of the alphabet 
find an, an adjective that describes themselves and actually explain why. So if I say E, energetic, mm-hmm. I'm bouncing all over the place all the time and I'm always the life of the party or whatever, however they want to describe themselves, but using every letter of the alphabet. Um, right now they're involved and I'm skipping way, way, way ahead because there's so, I want to make sure, I looked at all of the standards that they needed for writing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that they did every single, they are able to be proficient across the board. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I could think of to do that was to make sure that they were doing every type of writing. So you can write poetry, you can write um, just a narrative, you can write um, persuasive, all of those writings, this is during the course of the whole school year. Mm-hmm. So the students that I have now, I had in 11th grade and I have this year in 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Their assignment, the ending assignment is an epilogue where they have to step outside of themselves. And this year I have the, the ability to have them look all the way back to the beginning of last year, right. all the way to this year. They have to use no less than eight of their entries to describe the human being that made those entries, how they started out, how they grew, and be able to justify it with the entries that they did from last year. A lot of the things that they write, even for this year, they forgot. And I can see how they've grown as a writer and I want them to be able to understand the same thing about themselves. In the very beginning, I was correcting lowercase i's and commas and use semicolons. The sentences needed to be a little bit more complex. And now, maybe one or two commas. You know, the writing has improved that much. So um, I guess, I know I haven't talked that much about British Slim, but it's just like, (laughs) it's so normal. And I can just go to any one of the standards and they say, okay, this is what you need to do. You know, if we do Beowulf, most of their um, assignments are projects. I don't do just straight essays, mostly because of chat GPT and AIs like that. I know that I want to make sure that their writing is theirs, authentic, and that they're becoming really proficient at writing. So um, we did Macbeth not that long ago. I know I mentioned Beowulf, but that was a good project too. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for acts, I don't go through and read it as an, as a class, because once they get into college, it will be assigned to them and they're responsible to read it. Right. The way that I check is act one between Macbeth and his wife, S- specific things went on. So all I want them to do is bring it into the 21st century. Give me a text stream of Macbeth and his wife that makes me aware and understand that you not only read it, but understood what's going on in this act. It's just- (laughs) And you can use that information, right? So it's it's great to, Google knows a lot of things, but is Google able to use it? That's the beauty of being a human. Your passion for your your content is very evident. Uh, I wish this was a video uh, podcast, (laughs) honestly, so everybody could see how how you're, your energy, but I, I do really appreciate your approach and any parent should want their kids to um, migrate through your class so that they're going into college prepared, because I know for sure when you're talking about procrastination and time management, those were some skills that I was lacking when I rolled into my freshman year in undergrad. And so I would have done well to have somebody like you in high school. But Can you tell us a little bit about anything that you appreciate about Lincoln Charter? 
I love the fact that I have first the admin support and the autonomy to be able to do what I deem necessary to make sure that the needs of my students are met. So if I feel as though a project would get their brains going, get their fingers going and their minds actually moving, mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about, well, we prefer that you do a test or it needs to be multiple choice or it, it, it needs to be, I, I have the trust of mm -hmm. this school mm -hmm. to know that I know what I'm doing. And that's basically what I'm over explaining yeah. Yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and I also love the family environment. Mm -hmm. The fact that I can go to any one of my colleagues at any time and just talk to them is not a whole bunch of push and pull all the time in this weird teacher competition that goes on in a lot of different places that I've worked. Is there anything else to sort of circle back real briefly to your your college days and and sort of the preparation that you had either from high school, you described yourself as the smartest person or something yeah, like that. Planet, is, yeah. is, a, is, a, <laughs> is Was that a result of work that you did in high school or was that um, experiences and sort of confidence that you had from your military experience? How did you effectively prepare to go into college? Well, by the time I got ready to actually go into college, I was already 40. Mm -hmm. I had already retired from the military. Yeah. Um, when I got into the military, I had to go through an incredible amount of training mm -hmm. to be able to do my job. Yeah. And that's when I realized that when I was in high school, my math stopped at algebra because okay. I couldn't make sense of adding and subtracting letters and my teacher couldn't explain to me mm -hmm. what the concept was about as far as logic is concerned you know highs and lows which is what i actually work with with electronics mm -hmm. that was easy but anything having to do with letters and formulas and numbers i wasn't able to do so when i got into the military i actually had to <clears throat> do extra study to learn that okay um i learned from my peers there were not the instructors that were there because they basically assigned it, you do it. And if you didn't make it, then you keep doing it. Mm -hmm. um, we had study groups where I had one or two individuals that was like, look, this is very simple. This is a neighborhood. These are the people. They explained it to me in a way that I could actually understand that they weren't actually letters. Like if you're writing, right. it represents something. It's like space saver. Yeah. So when I got ready to go to the college, I was terrified. Mm. I thought I was too old. I had a whole bunch of confidence issues, you know, thinking that I was going to be sitting in class with 18 and 19 year old students yeah. who would be looking at me and judging me. And it was a lot to fight through. But once I got to school, I realized that there were other people like me there, mm -hmm. that I wasn't the oldest person in the room and that everyone was there for the same reason, the same purpose. So as far as preparation for school, I didn't really, I didn't do a whole lot. Like what the students that I have now, there's a lot of different things. They still have, it, the fear is still the same. Mm -hmm. That's real. Mm -hmm. um, because you're walking into a situation, you're not really sure what is going to happen next. It's like walking into a dark room 
that is not your room. You don't know what's there. You're going to bump into furniture. What's going to happen? I felt the same thing. It's just my issue was a little bit different, but it's basically the same. Yeah. The fear that you feel until you get there, until you find out what's going on, until you get into the routine was basically the same. I think the best thing that we could do to prepare, especially our students for school, is give them time management skills. Mm -hmm. Give them the time to figure out what works best for them. Right. To guide them and allow them to make mistakes right now and find out that it's okay. That the part about mistakes is when you don't get up and keep going. Mm -hmm. Because then it becomes could be a life-changing experience. It could be a decision to drop out of school when all you really had to do was just back up and try again. Right. I think I learned that while I was in the military. Yeah. You know, patience <clears throat> with myself, with other people, to realize that we're all human, we're all the same, basically. Some of us show that we're smarter in different ways than others. Some people are really very, very quiet, but they're, they observe everything, so they realize, oh, okay, I get this, I get that, I get the other. Mm -hmm. And then you have others that come in the room, oh, pick me, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. You know, it's just, just be comfortable in your own skin. Maybe one of the lessons that I'm hearing from this conversation is um, you didn't take no for an answer, and you, ODU said no, and you still made it happen, Yeah, which is awesome. So great life lesson for our listeners and um, for our families and students to hear. It's inspirational. It's great. What would you, is there anything that you'd do differently if you had to do it all over again? I, I really thought about that. I, I don't think so. That's good. I don't, I don't think that I would be here as solid, the person that I am right now without learning that it's okay. Mm -hmm. to trip up, make mistakes, and that you have to keep going. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything I would do differently. That's beautiful. That's great. That's what I hope everybody would say. I think part of every human, you're sort of a culmination of all of the experiences that you have, and that yeah. makes you who you are. So that's, that's evident with your story. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Any a mentor, a hero, somebody that was particularly formative in your life? Well, <laughs> my great-grandmother, she's not here right now, but <clears throat> she, wow, she was amazing. She, I grew up in a very turbulent household, and she was a stabilizing force. She didn't live with us, but she was the senior person in our family. The, the matriarch. Yeah. Okay. And so she, when everything was upside down mm -hmm. and, you know, waves were everywhere and I just couldn't really keep my bearings because of the things that were going on in my household, she was always there mm -hmm. to stabilize everything and help me understand that I'm, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I just have to keep going forward and believe in myself. She just amazing human being. I mean, they, I could talk about her for hours and hours and hours. I spent a lot of time uh, during the summer, um, maybe once or twice a month, I was able to go and visit with her mm -hmm. and we would just sit up and talk 
for hours about everything that was going on. She allowed me to be able to just completely cleanse myself so that I can go back into the the craziness that was, you know, my household. But um, yeah, I have to say that um, my great grandmother, Big Nanny, was um, a major, major force in my life. What what was her name? Big Nanny. Big Nanny. <laughs> yeah, her name was Magnolia Walker, but okay. we call her Big Nanny. Okay, Magnolia, love that yeah. name. Well, she. I'm sure has in some ways has left a legacy through you and yeah. in, in the time, sometimes you need to spend time with people and she was a person that was willing to spend time and, and help you out, which, yeah. is, which is awesome. So shout out to, shout out to Miss Walker, Miss <laughs> Magnolia Walker. Is there any, you're a, you're an English person. Is there anything that you are reading or have read that you would recommend? Not that I can think of right now. I don't read novels and books as much anymore. I read a lot of um, professional journals and things like that. (laughs) So I I sound like a nerd to myself, but I just right now I'm not doing a lot of reading for pleasure. I'm working on a uh, memoir. I bought a book a while ago that was, it's almost like a diary. It's called Story of a Lifetime. Okay. And it starts with your memories from birth all the way up until, I guess, later, later years. So it's a book that asks questions and then you fill in the blanks of the things that you can remember to answer the question. So I spend a lot of time on that right now. Wow. That's going to be a great, it's going to be a really interesting exercise i think so yeah, yeah it is that's cool so yeah but to answer your question right now no if your memoir is published uh sign me up for a copy because <laughs> um, i'd love to i'd love to read it is there any music that you can't get out of your head right now anything oh wow that's, anything that's uh, speaking to you right now uh no <laughs> i listen to so many different genres it, it just music for me depends on whatever my mood is okay you know, so right now, oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it's such well, a random question. I'm, I'm trying to trip you up here, you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> because I listen to all genres except for like really hard rock I don't really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and country music, it depends. Okay. You know, but Every, no. Everything else, everything else except for like heavy metal and, and some and country. And so, like really bluegrass country i yeah. don't because i like to move my body and mm-hmm. i just don't yeah it seems like you'd listen to that more than you would <laughs> dance to it but um well so, sometimes there's a sometimes there's a song that gets stuck in your head you know so it's, it's worth, it just worth. depends honestly it, it depends mm-hmm. like right now i don't have any songs stuck in my head i'm like yeah. searching frantically which one is school appropriate to say <laughs> <laughs> something like that i just wow yeah well i think I think it's um, normal to have some emotion tied to to uh, music and and vice versa. So yeah, yeah, that's makes sense. Is there a recommendation for where to eat, um, restaurant or otherwise? Where's, oh my where, 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 where can uh, where can we find the best? Uh, like you've got one one meal left. Where are you gonna go? <laughs> I'm gonna cook it. <laughs> You're gonna cook it. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, um, holy moly, for here, I don't know. Because remember, the first three years I spend here, me and my husband were building our house. Right. 
So we ate a lot of junk food out, like Chick-fil-A and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now that we can cook. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking advantage. Yeah, okay. you're asking me all these, oh, man, I have well, no idea. Well, and, so, and there are, like, I mean, going out to restaurants is good for some people, but being, yeah. at, home is, being at home is good for others. So Yeah, so the last meal, I honestly, I think I would cook it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Anything, anything on the menu? Any favorites? Yeah. Well, my daughter came to visit this weekend and she did this pepper. It's like three different peppers. It was orange, yellow, and green pepper. It was a salad. And I don't know if she put it in it. She would not tell me, but it was amazing. She wouldn't, she wouldn't tell you. <laughs> she, wow. Some, anything, but something. Yeah, she brought her own spices and she made uh, it. And she said, you're going to love it. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay. And now I love it. And so, <laughs> but you don't know what it is. <laughs> I just know it's peppers and um, oh, there was ginger dressing on okay. it, but I don't know what spices she used. So hopefully that will, hopefully you'll be able to figure out the recipe and it can make it into the memoir. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share? Anything that you feel like our listeners would like to know about you? I love oversized normal objects. You know, like those huge combs okay. or huge glasses. Yeah. I have a calculator that is like, takes up a quarter of this desk. Not even kidding. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. So like, so like <laughs> abnormally sized and normal objects. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's, if it's big. Really? Okay. That's, I don't know if that's a commonly known fact, but that's, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your time. Mm -hmm. You are an inspirational person. I think that everybody that knows you is a better person for knowing you. So oh, I, I, re you. I really appreciate you spending some time talking a little bit about your experiences and who you are. And um, I do appreciate you for what you do at the school and what you do for our kids and, and your colleagues. So thanks for spending a little bit of time with us on Edge of Dairy. You're welcome. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off. Thanks so much. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to the Edge of the Airy. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms, and Miss Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.